<laughs> All right, welcome to the Atrium, a weekly podcast from Hope Christian Church. I'm Jared, creative arts pastor here at Hope Christian Church in Avon, Ohio. I love that you clinched oh your face. That's who I am. <laughs> <laughs> this has been, you've been. <laughs> here we go. That's what a baby does when they're learning how to use their, their, uh, their muscles. Dude. They just, they clench. It's true. It's uh, true. So let me try that. My name is Neil, and I am the lead pastor here at Hope Christian Church. This is episode three. Yeah. Can you believe it? I, well, yeah, three in—that's amazing. I mean, I, I, I wasn't sure if we'd make it past two. I'm surprised we got one. It's just the pure energy. I mean, you just saw like uh, right all that energy that goes into this. Yeah, Ooh. all that, all that coffee. It's just intensity. What'd you do last night? Last night, what well, did what's I do? today? Let's talk about what to, what is today, dude. The day before today, perpetually mm-hmm. is like I took a test and I I'm I felt good about it, so I just erased it all from memory. Really? What was yesterday? So yesterday was Sunday. We record so today's this on Monday. Yeah, we record this on Monday. I would have been here at the church yeah. yesterday morning. <laughs> I saw you quite a bit. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what I was doing. Okay, so, so. from what I'm understanding, <laughs> you, do you black out when you leave work? <laughs> no, no, no. We okay. we went over drinking already. So right. Okay. Good. That was two weeks <laughs> ago. Good. So uh, no. <laughs> so what did you do Sunday night? Sunday night. So normally you're tired. I'm, probably. I'm, oh yeah. I'm yeah. wiped. You know, I was talking to Mark yesterday about this. Of yeah, do you do you crash on Sunday afternoons? Like, yeah, yeah. I try not to nap because I feel like I still want to just kind of. If I'm gonna relax, like maybe I'll read a book. Will the kids maybe let I'll, you nap? If they nap, yes. Oh, so they, oh, they still nap because they're in kids' church, so yeah, they they yeah. get home, they're ready to sleep. Although yeah. Judah, that dude was ready to rock and roll. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was fussy. We got him down. And then he woke up. He was still fussy, but mm. he only slept for like 45 minutes. It's like, not dude, enough. you got to sleep longer, bud. Yeah. And he's just like, no. He doesn't say that, of course, but right. he says it in his own way. of With his eyes. Yeah. yeah you can just look face. at him. Yeah. His cold, dead eyes. <laughs> like a doll's eyes. The love of a father is a beautiful <laughs> thing. <laughs> I just love hearing dads no, talk about you, uh, <laughs> oh, dude. Sons. I don't know. We had a great time with him yesterday. You know, you have like days with your, with your kids where yeah. it's like, some days you just feel really good about it. And yeah. so Addison had um, gone down for nap and uh, he was up and you're we just playing with him. And it was, a, it was, I don't know, you just have good moments with your kids. You know, as dads, I think that we bond with our kids a lot differently than obviously mom does. Yeah. She oh, yeah. carried the baby. So it's yeah. like from day one, you know, baby comes out and she's just like, I've known you for nine months. Right. You know, and we're just kind of like, well, we're just getting to know each other. Yeah. <laughs> when, when Henry was born, like there were, it, there appeared to be an immediate bond with yeah. her and Rachel. And I knew I was supposed to love Henry. Yeah. But he hadn't done anything yet. Yeah. So he hadn't earned my love. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, like Once I Once he saw started him, doing some chores, oh boy, the it, love meter went out. It's just like go, go, go yeah. with, a, with a newborn. And oh, so totally. it was more survival. I was yeah. like, I need to keep and I need to keep Henry alive and Rachel alive. Yeah. And so there were moments where Rachel would be feeding Henry. Yeah. And I would be feeding Rachel. Yeah. <laughs> like actually doing that because certainly not in the same way, I'm sure. No. Okay. Very, very different. Giving Rachel, you know, pizza and yeah. like spoon feeding yeah. her. But it was, yeah, it was just survival mode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So last night put the kids to bed. What did yep. you and Sarah do? What did we do? We sat on the couch and we <laughs> We, um, okay, so we still do this thing where, like, we'll go and kind of 
follow up on what the church in Dallas where we were at, like, how are they doing? And so we'll Wow. No, don't don't do that. No, that's not fine. what it no, that's not what it is. <laughs> we still do this just, thing where we need spiritual nourishment. No. <laughs> we still need to grow. <laughs> so. And that ain't happening here. <laughs> So by Sunday no. night, we're starving. No, not at all. So we'll, no, because no, Sarah, good. out of pure curiosity, I'll, I'll go back and kind of watch a little bit of our stuff. Like, how did it sound? You know, because oh, that's yeah, one of the things sure. as a musician, we've got our in-ears, you know, any of you guys here on Sundays, you'll hear, or you'll, you'll hear one thing. We're hearing something differently yeah. in our ears a little yeah. bit, and it's not quite what's in the mix. You know, it's, it's very different. So I'm always curious, how did it sound in the house and yeah. stuff? And so we'll go back and then Sarah will be like, we should see what they did. You know, and yeah. sometimes it's like, oh, cool. They did those things. You know, it's yeah. just pure curiosity. So we did that for a little bit. And then, um, I don't, I don't remember, dude. <laughs> I drank some coffee. Uh, I'm trying to think, uh, <laughs> that's all right. I, are you the same way in any regard? Like you just kind of forget the day before because it's just not not even a little. Wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> We're very different people. Well, yeah. In in that <laughs> respect, yeah. Like no, I. There. I'm trying to think. I I might have played a a video game. I I don't know. Waste too much bandwidth remembering things that don't don't matter. Rachel could tell you could tell you that. I don't have enough bandwidth apparently to remember. <laughs> what did you eat for dinner? Um. I think we did uh, we did leftovers in the afternoon. I know that last night. I think we just did pizza, something yeah. easy. Yeah. That's something we've been talking about is like, man, Sundays are not a good day to like have to get home and, and the kids and are already that. fried. Yeah. They're ready to go take yeah. a nap. And then you're like, all right, 30 minutes before lunch. Yeah. No, so I get it. We've been thinking like maybe we should just plan to like, that's a good day to just grab something on the way home. Yeah. No, you I'm know? there with so, you. Anyways. Yeah. I think we had pizza last night. What'd you eat? So... Sunday is typically the day that Rachel and I will uh, kind of hit pause on our mm-hmm. pursuit of nutrition, we'll call it. Yes. And uh, so Sunday evening, <laughs> I had a craving. Ooh, what kind for, of craving? For ramen. Oh, dude. Yeah. Good so, ramen uh, or like top ramen? Like top ramen. Really? Which in my mind is good ramen. That's well, the ramen I grew up with. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. no, no, no. I, I think there's so many things in life that we love, but we need to come to a place of admitting is total trash. Oh, there's zero nutritional value okay, to cool. it other than, you know, sodium, which your body needs, but not that. Have you ever had like real, real ramen? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I still haven't. I only eat trash ramen. Really? Okay. Yeah, I would like to have so good I ramen. I prefer this, this. So they make one now that's MSG free. Really? Which, yeah. Which MSG so. seems to mess with me a little bit. So I made some ramen. And then I made a grilled cheese. Interesting. With salami on it. Oh, dude, that's that's strong. Yeah, hard salami. And that's, then that's a flex right there. In a very gross move, would dip it. Dip it. Oh yeah, dude. Yeah. Come Soak on. It up. Soak it that's up. not gross. That's, oh, I that's have... the way to maximize <clears throat> your joy. In I, I agree, but there's a risk. Like I have just horrific third degree burns on the roof of my mouth now from, <laughs> because the, the grilled cheese had cooled down yeah but then ramen it takes four to five years for ramen to cool down yeah, unless true. you stir that's and true. so i dipped it and superheated the cheese took yeah. a bite cheese adhered itself to Ooh. the roof of my mouth oh dude so that's but, always painful. yeah so that's what that's what i did last that's night. awesome how do, so when you make your grilled cheese sandwich are you one that puts butter in the pan or butter on the bread i butter the bread yeah i've never even heard of what you're talking about really yeah is that a thing 
I've gotten to the point where I like extra crispy. I, I just really like really crispy grilled cheese. Yeah. Um. So I will butter the bread and then I'll put a little bit of butter in the in pan. In the pan. Okay. Kind of let it. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I do. I enjoy it. Yeah. I know we've already done some meet and greet, but I had a couple of questions for you, I thought, and then we can roll into this. That wasn't meet and greet. That was just opening, but fine. Wow. Okay. I don't know how this That's works. That's fine. That's fine. I'll Jared, switch it up. Jared Howe. Yes. What was your first job? Oh, my first job, like official, like as yeah. an employee. We're, well, yeah, job you got. I worked at a popcorn factory <laughs> <laughs> called Poppy's Popcorn Factory. <laughs> it's on Taylor Street in Elyria. Uh, okay, I was gonna. I don't know of any popcorn factories. You have probably eaten. Did you a had product. you opened a candy bar with a golden ticket in it? <laughs> and they're like, and you won. You you won the job. You now at work the in a terribly <laughs> hot and nasty I factory. Got a golden ticket. Uh, no, actually the owner or the manager, I can't remember this, uh, of the factory was a client. They ordered print products from my aunt's print shop. And the name of the place again was Poppies, Poppies. And not Popies. As no. some people have said, I don't even understand that. How do you come up it. with that? Well, it's Poppies. a popcorn yeah, fact. Popcorn. <laughs> They're not making popcorn. This is my favorite thing. The today. holy Catholic popcorn. What did you do popcorn. there? Were you in, what were you in charge of? Uh, I would stuff would product would fill up in little. You Let's know, not call it plastic. product. Let's call it what it was. Popcorn. Popcorn. <laughs> popcorn products. Yeah. Uh, corn puffs. That kind of stuff. Oh, okay. So yeah. So it was more than just popcorn. Okay. But, okay. Uh, Anything so it would come though. down the line in the little bags that you'd find at like the grocery store or yeah. at uh, a gas station or something like that. And my job was to put <clears throat> together a box very quickly, fill it up with a certain number of okay. things, put it on a stack, and then make another box and do, do, do. So you're kind of on the assembly line. Basically, yeah. yeah. How yeah. long did you last at Pop? I was laid off after a month and a half. <laughs> <laughs> Just, I don't. I don't know if it was personal was or this? maybe was it was very the, personal. It was two thousand nine. Oh, this was the popcorn crash of two thousand nine. That's well, you know, there was an economic crisis yeah, in two thousand nine. Wow. So, anyways, that's great. What about your first times. car? What was your first car? My first car was my well, officially mine was a nineteen ninety eight. Had you had an unofficial car that was? I drove my grandma's okay, car that, around yeah. for a little bit. Okay, yeah. that's yeah, I get it. That was a uh, nice, cool ninety three Ford Tempo. Yeah. Yeah, sweet yeah. car. The, Sister had a tempo. Yeah, it had a hole in the gas tank. So you had to be really careful about how how much you fill it. Well, it seems like you need to be careful about more than just that. Well, <laughs> with a hole in the gas, like things like starting it. Well, <laughs> the tires were bald. Yeah, it was, I think I remember was, that uh, story on the news. It was, <laughs> it, was, it was a great first car. Yeah, right. um, okay, this is a great story, but I'm not going to go into the story because we're burning time. But we are. We are. The, it's That's okay, right. which is fine. We're here to we do are that. Here to do this. Um, yes. My first official car that was in my name was a 98 GMC Sonoma oh, truck. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So like a little, one of the smaller trucks would be comparable to like a Ford Ranger. You always it been was, a truck guy? You got a truck now. No, I wasn't always a truck guy. I, um, I, it was just, it, it happened upon me. Mm. Someone called me who was at our church and they were, uh, really financially secure later on in life and they were like hey this is just sitting around and we wanted to see if like we could give this to you I'm like super nice what <laughs> so for tax purposes i bought Mad it for one dollar and woman were the poppy family no they no. actually do uh own a uh candy company though really i'm associated right. with a lot of willy wonka no, type people it. i love it it's fantastic last one okay and forgive me if i don't I'm a little older than you are, but what was your first CD? 
Oh, my first CD. Mm. I assume CDs were what you bought. I bought yeah. tapes. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally get it. So I would usually steal my sister's CDs. The first CD I remember stealing was uh, Switchfoot's uh, oh, yeah. New Way to Be Human. Yeah. I did that. I remember a DC Talk What CD. about a legal purchase? Illegal? Legal. Legal purchase? Yeah, like you my earned money legal. from poppies. You drove your Sonoma. Well, I was, that was the, what was I driving then? The Tempo. Uh, was no, it the Tempo? The, maybe. I don't remember what I was driving then. Yeah. What'd you buy? Uh, what did I buy with, uh, are you asking still music? Yeah. Oh, sheesh. I think at that point I was all on iTunes. Um, so my first CD purchase was probably either something, <clears throat> maybe Coldplay, like super early Coldplay. Okay. Um, I remember my first reel to my own CD was... It's called X Album 2005. Mm. X albums were like the Christian version of like... Um, like those now, what, 22? Basically, mm. of, but it was like the, the rock. Ah, so it was you. like okay. Thousand Foot Crutch and, and I don't know, some, nice. other, some other stuff. Pillar, uh, Under Oath, those, <laughs> those good things. Somehow Hawk Nelson was on there too. Hawk so. Nelson. Uh, Toby Mac too. That was okay. really weird. And it's like, eh, I feel like you guys aren't really sticking to the genre, but that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, yeah. Well, I think that's meet and greet. Yeah, I guess Did so. I, do I don't it? get to ask any questions, Neil. Well, you can ask one if you'd like. Uh, okay. I've got one. Oh, do you? That I really, <laughs> well, I've got a couple that I like. Um, but this one, I really like asking people if you could be any animal for a day, what animal would you choose? Ooh. It's gotta be something that flies. Really? I think so. Yeah. Because okay. the, the idea of flying is just a fantastic idea to me. Sweet. So I would say any any bird, but I'm going to go ahead with some type of hawk. Interesting. Yeah, cool. with a red-tailed hawk. Nice. Rachel really likes red-tailed hawks. So you're still trying to, you know, impress. for that one day. Yeah, you still I, I want to impress Rachel uh, both now wow. and in my hawk-like state. Wow. So not a hawk Nelson. That's, but that's a red cool. tail hawk. Wow, that is nice. That's <laughs> yeah, cool. I think that'd be that'd be okay. Amazing to fly. Yeah, that's yeah, cool. Yeah. That's a good answer. Thank Most you. people are like, "Oh, I'd be a dog." I'm like, really, a dog? That's what you want to be oh. for? It's like, see, I mean, I guess from a comfort standpoint, are you a house dog? Are you a wolf? You know, yeah. but I just, I don't know. That's a lame answer to yeah, me. Yeah, it's so one, it's one day. Think um, about something better than a dog. I'm if, hawking it up. That's good. Yeah, I was thinking if I'm going to be anything. It's got to be something that's at the top of the food chain because I don't want to risk for that one day mm. that I that I change into this animal. I get killed. Like, okay. who wants that? So yeah. I was thinking, like, a great white shark. Okay. Does it have any, you know, are there any predators out there for a great white shark? I don't think so. Yeah. Other than, you know, man. But yeah, could even, be. Even people are just kind of like, eh, I'm I okay, staying away from that. I don't know a lot about animals. Really? Yeah. It's an area. What do you want to know? I love animals. Well, I think if I wanted to know it, I would have looked it up by now. You don't have to. You know Jared. Well, that's true. <laughs> I know everything. So if I could is. hawk, I could fly above the. Just kidding. I, the I don't know anything about animals. Anyway, so that's really yeah. interesting. A hawk. hawk. Great okay, very I like cool. I like that's it. awesome, man. Okay. Thanks for a meet and greet. That was really fun. Getting to getting to, you know, meet and greet and greet <laughs> and greet. <laughs> All right. Well, we got some questions. Yeah. Not. Shall we jump in? We can, yes. This past week, you covered the topic of music. Mm, yeah. And uh, interesting topic, for sure. One that people probably, I mean, at least I know, I have not spent much time thinking about. Yeah. Uh, beyond just the vague, 
Um, is it sold good or at, bad? Is it sold at the family Christian bookstore? Right. And it's okay. Yeah. Um, yep. You know, it's interesting. I have some thoughts on that too, especially from the perspective of like a dude who's trying to pick songs that help people connect with Jesus. Right. It's an interesting topic for sure. Well, that, one of the things we didn't open up, you know, we were talking about secular music. Right. It's a sin to listen to secular music, but it yeah. can it can be a sin to listen to what some would consider to be worship music as well. Yeah. Based on again content. The content. And that's that's kind of yep. a huge thing. There's certain songs that we won't sing here, mm-hmm. and I mean, this is your. This is your area. This is your job. Sure. Um, so yeah, it's music's a this kind of far-reaching thing for the majority of us. And I talked about it as a part of the worship sermon in the Now What series mm-hmm. that the majority of people enjoy music. Yeah, there's something called musical anhedonia. Five percent of people deal with it. It's this interesting thing where people have a physical response. It's a, a disorder mm. to music, and but the majority of people listen to music in some some fashion or another. So I knew that this topic would be one, unlike smoking, yeah. where the majority of people don't smoke, that this particular topic, talking about music, would be something that a lot of people would be able to relate to. Yeah. And for me personally, this was a really tough one to wrestle with yeah. because there's this part of me that would never intentionally do this, but I had to really keep tabs on not wanting to preach what I want it to say, mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. which is so just like even reviewing my own musical choices. And I, and yeah. I listen to a lot of instrumental stuff now, but I still, you know, I grew up with a lot of classic rock music and even, I mean, even that Super Bowl uh, halftime show that people talked about, like I grew, when the first yeah. Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg record or cassette at the time came out, I, I snuck that, like I yeah. bought that as a kid um, and listened to it. And so I like a lot of different types of music. People mm-hmm. ask me, what kind of music do you listen to? Or what kind of music do you like? And, and to me, I always say good music. It's not about a genre. I, yeah. I think there's good music that I enjoy in a lot of different genres. And so the sermon was eye-opening and convicting for me months before it potentially was convicting for anybody else because yeah. I'm sitting there going through my catalog going, Boy, I should really understand what these lyrics listen to. The idea of it leading me into sin is not as much of a problem for me yeah. now that I'm in my 40s. There was a period of time where in my 30s, I still wanted to be a famous rock star and all that. And so I'd hear a song, well, I'm going to go out and do that. Or, you know, during the party days, kind of getting out of that, where I was like, I don't feel like I want to go back and party and do yeah. all that. Now that's not as much. And I'm not a person that listens to music in, in public. Like I'm mm-hmm. never going to see me in at a stoplight nave on with my windows down, like blasting something, yeah. leading someone else to sin. But for me, it's about that content. What 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 do the lyrics really mean, and mm-hmm. and are they glorifying sin? So yeah. I was hopeful that this would be something that would give us all pause and, yeah. and help us kind of reset in a way and go back and listen to to it. And I'd be That's interested really to hear your perspective on it as well because this is what you yeah this is what you do. Yeah. Well, you're you're right. I mean, your sermon was specific to um, secular music, so. I would love at some point to have a discussion about, you know, what it looks like for us to think about the music that we we play on Sundays, the yeah. lyrics that, you know, because it's a whole thing, you oh, know. Oh yeah. Um, and so part of my job is to think very carefully about the songs and the words. I mean, when I think about it, it's like I'm deciding the words that people are going to sing on Sunday. It's a huge responsibility. <laughs> so yeah, and you do they an better be good words. Job. Thanks, of man. That you always have. Um, 
but it's you know there's so many artists out there there's so many um you know it's not just that there's music available worship music available christian music available there's also people that have songs that they really like and they'll request and it's like yeah. you know how do we you know how do we take those in analyze them think about them and kind of um you know test them with scripture you know yeah um there's a lot of songs that even i like um they they sound awesome and they uh and the way they're written are really good and then when you think about what they're really saying are just like this dude didn't read the bible yeah. <laughs> you know, you're just yeah. like i don't know how you can write a line like that that's caused so much controversy um, oh um, reckless love reckless love reckless yeah. love yeah yeah i don't know i've heard that song a time or two but from yeah. what i understand and you you correct me it was this idea that people wouldn't sing that because they didn't like the word reckless, reckless. there's no part of god that's reckless his right. love isn't reckless it's pre yeah. and i mean that's i think if i Word I again always kind of err on the side of caution. Like for yeah. me personally, like I kind of agree. I don't. I don't think I could use the the word reckless to describe anything in no. God's repertoire right. of character right, right, and, right, right. and ability yeah. and what He's done. And yeah, but it was a well written song. Absolutely, and the melody was made for yeah. a congregation oh, to sing. It's and, a yes. It is a well written song. Um, and that one word, right. And again, words matter. And, you know, I oh, think huge. I think a lot of people would probably roll their eyes at a conversation like this because it's just like it's one word. The whole the, the rest of the song is good. Right. You know, why is it a big deal? And it's just like, you know what? We need to take it to the logical conclusion of if this even if it's one word or one phrase, think about the real meaning of that word and what is it saying about God. And when we come together on a Sunday morning, are we singing in spirit and truth? That's what God requires. Yeah, he right. gets to dictate how he's worshiped. He gets to dictate the terms on which we approach him and come to him and the things that we sing. And so if there's anything in a song that isn't accurate, it's a lie. Like right. We are lying about God. Well, and and so, the responsibility to not cause others to stumble. Right. So you got people rolling into your church and several years ago, I don't know how many years ago, but that yeah. was, it was a really divisive topic yeah. for some people in the church. And so if they're rolling into your church and they're like, this song shouldn't be sung. Right. And then for whatever reason, you know, you feel the freedom to do that. Right. And you do it. Now you're causing others to stumble. Yeah. And so, that's why we always kind of err on that. Yeah. I feel well, like I'm a broken like record that, here, but caution. No, no, that's good. Yeah, and being cautious. And this is what you've been talking about through the Gray Series, yeah. and which I wholeheartedly agree on, is things are not so easy and cut and dry a lot of the time. It takes thought. It takes careful consideration. And so a song like that, I mean, an argument could be made for God's love seeming to be reckless. It seems like it's wasted on the less than. It seems like an argument could be made of like, this is a really, really amazing song describing the amazing love of God. And I get right, that. Yeah. The problem is, is that words have meaning and we, we can't just reinvent a word and, you know, because there's certain connotations with that of just saying, um, you know, God doesn't waste his love. God is always purposeful in right. all that he does. Um, you know, and, and there so, are words that generally mean something totally. And you can nuance a lot of things, sure. but that word reckless, yeah. uh, I think of a vehicle, yeah. a reckless operation, right? You've lost control, right? Uh, you have operated a vehicle carelessly, recklessly. Right. And so yeah. that word generally means something. And so we generally yeah. try to avoid things that generally use a word right. <laughs> like right. that. And yeah, but it be, it became this really divisive yeah. thing. Well, so. this is an interesting conversation when it comes to personal 
consumption too. Of right. A lot of people enjoy that song. I like that song. We already talked about it. It's got a great sound. The majority of the song is really good. Yeah. It's that one thing. So I think it's just like anything else. Uh, you consider the, the content. You, I mean, I don't know. We talk about like you and me have read theological books that you don't agree with everything on. Oh, but yeah. there's good stuff in it. And right. so I think if we're careful the way we approach things, I think there's some things that we say, okay, well, maybe this isn't a song that we would want to sing as a congregation. Right. Um, maybe it's something that I can personally listen to and it's it's going to be okay. Right. So anyways, we can have a much broader conversation about we'll this. We'll get there. We've got more of these. <laughs> yes, sir. All right. Let's go ahead and jump into some of these questions we received. So first one is this. Hi, friends. Hi, friend. Hello. Aww, we're friends. That's so good. I like that. Yeah. Just wanted to know what kind of suggestions you have for situations where you don't have control over the music. For example, at work, music is automatically played over speakers and there are definitely some sinful songs that I hear day in and day out. What should I do in a situation like this where I can't control what music is played and I can't remove myself from the situation? What a great question. AirPods. Mm. No. <laughs> Just wear earbuds the whole time. No, what a, what a really um, well-thought-out question. I have some thoughts on this, and some of this... The difficulty of getting questions through email is I always think it's important when answering questions to try to get clarity. Yeah. You know, what do, what do you mean? Where do you work? What right. kind of sinful songs are these songs that are leading you to sin? How are they leading? Are they leading you, you know, to, to be tempted to think a certain way? So there's a lot yeah. of follow-up questions. So without any of those, yeah, here's kind of what my thinking is. The first thing I thought was, and this is probably not, possible but it doesn't hurt to ask mm -hmm. if there's maybe another station that could be played i yeah. know that certain businesses and this some of it depends on you know if you're at a you know a place that is multiple locations it's a big corporation right. or if you're at a mom and pop, if you're poppies yeah <laughs> <laughs> if, if you're pop and popcorn to poppies mm. and you're like hey man that pop you know only popcorn theme music <laughs> only popcorn theme. <laughs> oh man um, so I would, I would ask, it doesn't yeah. hurt to ask. And if this is kind of what we talked about when it came to drinking and camping, yeah. all that can do potentially, I shouldn't say all that can do, it can do a lot of things. What it could do potentially is lead to a conversation of, well, why do you, why do you want it changed? Yeah. And then you can open up a conversation about your faith and about your beliefs and about who Jesus is gospel message. So my first recommendation would be to to ask. Odds are, at, at least maybe kind of based on you know this situation, but odds are that's they're probably not going to change it. Right. I remember I worked at um, my first real job was at Old Country Buffet. Oh yes, it was incredible. And did you eat so much? I got one free meal every time I worked, dude. And I, yeah, and it was you get thirty minutes to eat. And as a 16 year old boy, I was a furnace. Oh yeah. Like you, I was, you could just feed and feed oh, yeah. and I would just eat. They had an amazing bread pudding there. Oh yeah, dude. It was something else. Did it have raisins in it? It did. Okay. Well then I hate that bread pudding. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I enjoyed it. Um, oh dude, it's so good. The food was good. so good. Mm. So good. Mm. But at home or it was old country buffet and then turned to hometown buffet, but old country buffet, I remember 
people would complain about the temperature. Yeah. And I went to the manager and, you know, people are asking it to be a little bit warmer, a little bit colder. And the manager told me, and I never, I didn't question it, but they said that's controlled, you know, by corporate in some other, some other place. And I just took that to be truth and that yeah. might have been them. So I'd go back to being really, listen, this is controlled in Colorado. And they'd be like, <laughs> okay. So it's possible that, you know, whoever you work for, whatever business you work for has a set rule yeah. that this is what has to be played. So what do you do if, if that's it? And you can't be, well, like, like this individual says, um, I can't remove myself from the situation. So my thinking is, is if you can't remove, then you're forced to resist. Mm. And what I mean by forced to resist is you're not boycotting your business. You're not, <laughs> you're not picketing. That's not it. You're forced to resist the temptation that comes with whatever music is being, is being played. So first yeah. Corinthians 10, 13 tells us that Paul tells us that God's not going to allow us and this scripture is so misused, but God's not going to allow us to be tempted beyond what we can resist. Mm -hmm. People often say, well, God won't give you more than you can handle. That's, that's not what that says. Right. God will do precisely the opposite. He'll yeah. give you more than you can handle so that it forces you to lean on him. Right. But when it comes to temptation, he's not going to he's not going to allow you to be tempted beyond what you can resist. So whatever song is playing and however that may be leading you to sin potentially, mm -hmm. you can through the power of the Holy Spirit overcome that. There's victory to be had there because of this promise that Paul gives us that God gives us through Paul to the Corinthian people that he's not going to allow you to be tempted beyond what you can handle. Now, is it possible that they're just listening to the music and they're not tempted, you know, to sin themselves, but they right. just find the content of the music to glorify sin yeah. at that point? Then maybe what I would suggest is replacement. So when you can't remove, you try to resist, resist, resist the temptation that might be coming in, or you try to replace that. Mm -hmm. And what that would look like in the work setting would be somewhat challenging. But if you're hearing a song that has questionable content or not questionable, it's just, you know, sinful content, try to replace what you're hearing in your mind by worshiping yourself internally. Mm -hmm. We can walk around and you don't have to be singing, right. you know, actively out of your mouth. You can sing in your heart and sing in your mind to the Lord. And so if a song comes on that the content is just sinful and it's evil and you know that, start humming, start, you know, either in your mind, in your heart, or maybe even depending on the type of job you have, you could maybe even hum or sing a little bit yeah. and, and, you know, resist that temptation, but then replace that with, with something, yeah. with something else. Um, that's to me doing, doing your best to try to adhere to what the scriptures give us as far as allowance to be in the world and yeah. not of the world. I mean, to, you know, do you quit your job over something like that? I don't think you do. Um, I think you ask, I think when you can't remove, you resist the temptation and then, if all else fails or maybe in conjunction with all of that, I think you replace, yeah, replace it with really something good. good. Yeah. That's something I think about a lot of, um, and I think it's assuring, like if you, if you can tell that, that a song you're listening to is sinful, you're, you're in a good place, you know, that's um, a great thing. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's helpful. Um, just kind of a balanced approach is not to, um, 
you know, take some extreme action. Um, it's, it's more so how can you internally combat that? And I think you, you kind of hit the nail on the head of just saying, you know, how can we mentally be reciting the truth in our mind, whether that's a song, like you were saying, maybe you can hum, maybe you can, maybe you can sing a little bit. I think it's um, Ephesians five. It's like sing. I mean, the instruction for us is to sing psalms and spiritual songs to one another, yeah, greet one another like this. Spiritual, yeah. I think five nineteen, something like that. Mm-hmm. So we can we can do that internally yeah, as sure. well and try to try to yeah. replace that. I don't, and I think having realistic expectations is is important. Yeah, I say this a lot. I feel like particularly in where we're at now as a culture, but we can't hold. I'll say non-Christians to Christian standards. Uh, there are certain things that when we go through the scriptures, they are for the those that are in the faith. The Holy Spirit is the one that gives us that sensitivity to recognize sinful things. Paul says in Corinthians that the message of the cross is foolishness to those that are perishing. So we, we yeah. have these, I'll call them rules in scripture, sure. things that we need to be obedient to. Yeah. All those are going to seem silly to somebody that's outside of the faith. Sure. And so to get all fired up that your place of business, not that this listener is fired up at all, right, it, right. not at all, but if if you were to get all fired up and, you know, and, you know, I can't believe they're allowing this music, you, you shouldn't be, you shouldn't be shocked about this. You shouldn't be fired up. You should recognize it for what it is. Yeah. And then this is an opportunity again to share the gospel message, yeah. to pray for your managers, to pray for yeah, those for sure. leaders that are have been instituted by God, like we talked about last week, Romans 13. And you can still ask for it to be changed and use that Mm -hmm. as an opportunity, but then when that's not possible, have that that resistance and that replacement. That's good. Sweet. Cool. Thanks, man. Good question. Yeah, great question. All right. Moving on. Another good question. Uh, Where do we see family worship in Scripture? And should we do communion during it? How should we structure it? And is there a set definition of it? So multiple questions here. And again, it would be helpful to have this listener in front of me to clarify some things. What do you mean by family worship? And that's in quotes. Yeah. So I'm, you know, just based on the email, kind of forced to insert some, have some assumptions, I should say, Um, insert some things as to what they might mean. Should we do communion during it? So let me just start with uh, a definition of, of worship, and the definition that I use every year in the Now What series is a feeling or expression of praise, reverence, and adoration for God. That was the most all-encompassing thing that I could come up with mm-hmm. that satisfied some things, and I, I'm sure that there's gaps or holes in that, something that should be added or someone um, maybe need you know more clarity on. But it's that feeling or expression of praise, reverence, and adoration for God. So family worship would be, and I'm assuming family is in, you know, mom, dad, kids, yeah. husband, wife, right. uh, kids and parents, yeah. um, that that idea of family. Where do we see that in, in Scripture? The, the place that I think of first are Deuteronomy 6 and then Deuteronomy 11, where we're commanded, Moses is commanding, the Israelites to take the law, take the things that the Lord has commanded and teach mm-hmm. them to your children yeah. when you you know lie down, when you wake mm-hmm. up, when you're walking along the road. Yeah. And that 
praise, reverence, and adoration, adoring God's law, revering God's law, praising him for his law. That's that's family worship. That's what you would see yeah. in Scripture. I think about um, Acts 16 as well a little bit, where Paul's in, in jail and uh, the, you know, some, somehow the the chains rattle and they get loose. We know that somehow is is God, and yeah. so they could have booked it out of there, and they don't book it out of there, and they wind up over this jailer's house, and they're sharing the gospel message, and you see the jailer and his whole family come to the saving knowledge. So that was family worship yeah. there in the New Testament as well. Should we do communion during it? Yeah, I think I think that's permissible. I don't see where that's prohibited in Scripture anywhere. Uh, you can take communion, you know, at, at church. You can take communion, lead communion uh, time at, in your home if if you desire, if you feel that. I mean, during particularly when we we're closed during the pandemic, we were asking people to to do that, and some people were really adverse to that. They're like, mm-hmm. you know, this needs to be led by a pastor or or a minister, and you know, obviously Jesus leading that first communion is that part of the narrative? Is it normative? I don't see anything in Scripture that would prevent any believing uh, person to the opportunity to lead communion. I, I don't see that restriction in Scripture anywhere. I think that you need to be a believer to take communion. I think that's kind of a big thing. Well, if and, we can't agree on anything, we right. should agree on that. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, so yeah, I think you can. I think you can make that a part of your family worship, whatever that means to you, or whatever that that looks like. Singing songs, praising. We we covered that with Ephesians five. That's how we should be greeting one another. You can yeah. certainly certainly do that. Is there a set definition of it? I don't think there is. Yeah. I think that you know a feeling or expression of praise, reverence, and adoration for God is different for every person. That's something I try to be sensitive about. I'm sure. I'm sure you are as well, probably sure. more so than I am, because when we think of worship, we think of music more than anything, right. and how people worship God through music is super different. Mm-hmm. Some people are going to raise their hands, and they're going to yeah. be you know, shouting and singing, and there'll be uh, you know, a display of um, yeah. emotions mm-hmm. that we'll, we'll see come from people. Some people are a little more quiet, mm-hmm. and oddly enough, like, that's a little bit more how I am. Yeah. I tend to just put my head down and yeah. I love music and I love listening. And so I like to worship in my head a lot, a lot yeah. of times. And it's, it's, it's kind of how I've always been, but there's also, I got to preach multiple services. And so that is taxing on my voice. So to sit right. there and belt out songs yeah. can be challenging as well. Um, yeah. and, and, and I know God can do <laughs> all things and sustain the voice, but you know, I, I know, um, Proverbs 22 says the prudency danger. Like I, so I'm just trying to, you know, make sure that I'm, it, it is, my voice is as healthy as possible to preach multiple services. And yeah. so there's a myriad of things that, that people do differently during during worship. So there is no, I think, set definition. We're called to worship God in spirit and in truth. Yeah. And that's a and that's a sermon. That's yeah. a that's, you know, that's something that we could get into. What does that mean? Sure. Maybe in a, in a in another podcast. But yeah. where do we see family worship in scripture, Old Testament and New Testament? Yeah. I think Deuteronomy again six and eleven are great examples of that. Yeah. Uh, I think of Proverbs was it twenty two six train a child in the way they should go. Well, how do you train them? Well, yeah. you 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 worship with them. You you show them what it is to revere and adore and and praise the Lord, and yeah. you do that 
uh, through prayer, through time in, in His Word, that's worship, yeah. through communion. I think uh, giving is uh, can be a family thing. Yeah. I think teaching your kids, and you certainly giving to the church is instructed. We see Paul talk about that, Corinthians 9. But what about giving at home of, yeah. of your money? What what if um, you teach your kids some of those principles of sacrifice? And mm-hmm. obviously that's not you know the same as a tithe and an offering to the Lord, but you teach them those principles of yeah. sacrificing and setting aside for the Lord. Yeah. And then you can give as a family together. Maybe the children have uh, chores at the house and they get paid an allowance. Yeah. And you teach them to set aside a portion of that for for the Lord, and then they give it to their parents, and then the parents write a check for it, or maybe the kids themselves, you know, put it in in an offering box. There's lots of different ways. So, yeah, yeah I think that as far as how we structure it and how we define it is, there's a lot of freedom mm-hmm. in in that. But I think we do see it in Scripture, and I think that again, I think it's permissible to yeah. take communion in that way. What, what do you think? Yeah, I think that's good. Um, so I, I think there's a balance there. I think on the one end, I think there's a lot of this feeling that you need to be, um, just the way you poured that was very nice. Sorry, I was I trying to, to avoid the microphone. didn't want to hit the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> um, there can sometimes be a pressure almost to like go to an extreme, like we're going to, we're going to do a devotional every morning together as a family. And then we're going to sing songs at night and you, and you like kind of fill our schedule with all these things that we're doing, which are not bad things. It's just a question of sustainability. Um, how sustainable is that to really be doing all of those things? Um, but then the other, the other extreme is to not do anything and you don't want to be doing that. I mean, we're commanded in scripture to train up our children to, I mean, specifically to us men as, as, um, you know, under shepherds of Christ of, you know, what role do we play in the life of our family and our home? Um, you know, it's, it's something that, that I've been struggling through as, as someone who's a newer father of mm. what does it look like for us to disciple our children? Um, and, uh, you know, cause it's not a question of if your children will be discipled, it's a question of who will disciple them. Will it be you? Will yeah, it be good. the world? Will it be their friends, their friends, families, you know, um, which some of those things don't aren't always bad, but some things are definitely not ideal. Um, and and if you're waiting for you know the children's church or kids at hope to be the primary discipling vehicle in your children's life, then that's not um, enough. That's a that's supplement. not it. Yeah. It's a supplement. It's yeah. supposed to be a help. You know, we're excited to be able to partner with parents and and helping to resource them and and teaching their children the way they should go. So, um, you know, so it's something to think about. I mean, it's, but it's not just, I, I think, you know, the temptation again is to think just as parents too, of like, oh, it's only for children. It's like, you know, I think there's an extension of our personal spiritual life with the Lord, um, you know, should be shared with our spouse too, of, you know, again, another area of struggle. If you're a guy out there, you probably understand that struggle of just feeling like this pressure of like, I know I'm supposed to be doing these things. I don't quite know how. How Um, So it's a question of resources, I think, of, you know, it doesn't have to be complex. It can be as simple as, you know, reading a scripture and reading a prayer together. Uh, Valley of Vision, which is a collection of old Puritan prayers, fantastic resource and very helpful to just helping you think about the Lord. And it's something you could do with your spouse. Um, if you're wondering of resources that you could 
uh, do with your kids. One thing we've been trying to do is the New City Catechism. That's one thing you could do around the dinner table or something. And it's, it's great for kids probably right now. I'm thinking about Addison. She's two and a half. She's definitely at the age where we could be start start doing that. Yeah. Um, and it's very approachable and it, you know, it's scalable too. Of this can be applied to if you have older kids, that kind of thing. Um, there's a great book out there called Family Worship by Donald S. Whitney, I believe his name is. And he kind of talks about this topic a little bit and kind of gives some principles for you to think about. But again, you know, it's not going to be black and white. It's going to be different yeah. for every family. It's going to be different. Everyone's schedule is different. Everyone's season of life is different. So the question is, are you connecting with the Lord as a family? I think that's important. Um, but, you know, it doesn't have to look a specific way. And it kind of starts at the individual level. Right. Like yeah. Paul talks about, you know, we're all members of of one one body. And so there is this unified body of the church. But when we stand before God, we stand before God by ourselves. Right. The church will you will not have your worship team with you. <laughs> and I will not have Guys, the congregation. Where, where are they? <laughs> we stand before the Lord. And so if I've got a bum knee, yeah, and I don't address that knee, a lot of lower back pain starts with a bum knee because you start to walk a little bit differently. And that puts pressure on your back and muscles start to compensate and do things that they would normally do. And so what started off as a knee problem will continue to be a knee problem, but then that moves into a hip problem Mm -hmm. and then maybe a low back issue. And so that's why you address the knee. And a lot of times we're like, you know, how do I lead my family spiritually? Well, it's kind of like we talked about, um, in relationship to how do we serve the, the lost, you live live yeah. the faith. Not to say that you can't lead your family in a Bible study or in a time of prayer or a, a time of communion if you don't have it all together because, newsflash, none of us have it all together. But we need to also remember that one of the best ways we can lead our family is to live that faith if you want to tell your kids about God's grace and mercy, but every time your kids mess up, you never show them grace mm. or mercy, yeah. it's going to be tough to connect those dots. I have a five-year-old. He is defiant. He will look me in the eye and tell me no without hesitation, and that is a punishable offense in in our home. Mm-hmm. Um, as long as I'm asking Henry to do something that doesn't violate God's law, I have the right and have been given the responsibility to raise my son. And so there are times where Henry will tell me no, and I try to humbly and gently correct that in him, but it will often escalate and it requires consequences. Behavior has consequences. But there are times where, particularly I know if Henry's having a bad day, and just because he's five doesn't mean he doesn't have bad days. Right. He's a kid. Or he'll have a bad day, and he'll be defiant, he'll be disobedient, and I'll remind him that that's not allowed, but then I'll let him know, but I'm not going to punish you for that. I'm going to extend mercy to you. Do you know what mercy is? And I'll explain mercy to a five-year-old as simply as I can. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. And I'm going to give mercy to you, because God gives mercy to me. So it's going to be challenging as a mom or dad to teach your kid about mercy if every time they do something wrong, you are dropping the hammer on mm, them. And I am not, I'm not advocating for 
you know, just wishy-washy parenting right. in any way, shape, or form. But you want to lead them in communion, great. You want to lead them in world, all that great, but your life has to reflect a life really that is honoring to the Lord, mm -hmm. that truly shines his light and makes it clear that you are an ambassador for yep. him. So I think it's important to keep those things in mind. That's really good. Um, it, it reminds me, it's something I've been trying to do is to... Um, personally is just that idea of kind of if I'm going to walk humbly with the Lord, I want my kids to see that what that looks like. Yeah. Part of that includes sharing your failings. Yeah. <laughs> so they'll figure them out eventually. <laughs> we, they probably we were, know them better than you do. We were so terrified when Henry started talking. Cause I'm like, what's he going to tell the teachers oh, in the man. kids wing at church? <laughs> like, Dad hit his nose on a closet and said a bad word. <laughs> that's why I just out myself uh, to the church as a yeah. whole because I'm like, Henry's going to tell him anyways. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's so funny. Um, it, well, it's so true, though, that, that your kids are going to see you. You got to apologize to your, your kids when you blow Yeah, it. totally. And so being able to share those moments of, you know, dad screwed up and <laughs> dad sinned, dad right. did this, dad did that, whatever yeah. it is, and saying, I need to ask your forgiveness yeah. and I need to ask God's forgiveness. Good. I th think can go a really long way of showing what that humility looks like. Um, cause I think it's going to do some real weird damage to your kid if they are left with the perception that I'm supposed to act like I've got it all together when I know, in fact, I do not, right. Yeah, you know, rather than those moments of failing, acknowledging them and taking them to the Lord and to one another. I mean, um, you know, me and Sarah got in a fight a couple weeks ago. Um, well, I'm sure we fought more recently than that, but, um, <laughs> one enough that was, uh, you know, it elevated voices in front of the kids, yeah. something we, we not do not want. Um, yeah. but because they saw that I was really wanting us to be intentional about apologizing to each other <laughs> in front of the kids <laughs> and then talking yeah. to the kids about it. Um, in a way that they can understand. And that amounted to like 30 seconds of our evening. It, it, it doesn't have to be a big show. We're no. not putting on a show or anything. It's no. just saying, you know, um, you know, we were intentional about getting where the kids were. And I kind of was like, hey, kids can, you know, I get their attention or whatever. And then I apologized to Sarah and, you know, very sincerely, hopefully as sincerely as possible. But I think things like that can really go a long way when you're then coming to them with the word, coming to them with, uh, you know, songs and, and things and devotionals or prayers, whatever it is, um, and being able to say, hey, follow me as I follow Christ because I'm doing it really imperfectly and you are going to do it imperfectly too. Here's what that looks like. That's the works part of faith. Yeah. That's what James talks about. Like, let me show you my faith by my works. Yeah. And so you can tell the kids all day long that, you know, you got to manage your anger and you can't yell and all of these sorts of things. And then when you do it, they need to see your faith in action. They need to see my faith in action. And and far beyond kids, yeah. people, yeah, people as a whole, yeah. your friends, your coworkers, your, your manager, the people that you manage, the yeah. people at the church, what whoever you have interaction with. This isn't just a proprietary thing between parents and kids. It's any anybody. Yeah, we need to display that humility, acknowledge those areas in our life where we've, shockingly enough, fallen short of God's glory. Even though we've read it a thousand times again, I can't believe it. <laughs> That's right. I thought I was done with that. <laughs> Doggone it. Uh, and and 
display that humility from a yeah. genuine place. Yeah. But it is really important with our our young ones. Yeah. Uh, because yeah. they are learning what life is. Yeah. They they don't know. They don't they're learning from us. Addison is gonna learn from you mm-hmm. what what a godly man, what a godly husband and what a godly father should be. Right. And the same with Henry and Addison will learn how to be a, a godly mother and godly mm-hmm. wife from Sarah and Henry will learn about Rachel. I mean, it's, so it's a really, yeah, it's important everywhere, but particularly, yeah. you know, when you think about family worship, when you think about how do you structure these things in, in the home, all of that's good, yeah. but make sure that, that you are as equally concerned about what God is doing in you yeah. as much as you are about what you want God to do through you. Yeah, I think that's good. So let's do our last question for today. And this is kind of a follow-up from an email that I got, I think it was a couple of years ago. Yeah. Um, but this is a question that I get a lot, and I think it was, I think it would be helpful. And it's kind of along the same lines of what we've been talking about in relationship to the family. Right, yeah. But uh, this this particular family wanted to know, and the way that they worded it, it was podcast topics, something about bugging your loved ones about church and Jesus. <laughs> and the original conversation was in relationship to their kids. They have uh, kids that are not involved in the church, mm-hmm. don't seem to be interested in the things of the Lord, and how to strike that balance yeah. of being proactive and inviting them to church and telling them about Jesus, how do you strike that balance between being proactive and annoying? Right. Um, and that's, again, something that, I mean, I, I can't, wouldn't even begin to count how many times I've had conversations with parents. And one of the things that I often start this conversation off with is talking about motive. Like what's, the, what's the motive which may seem like a strange thing. What would be the motive for wanting your child to get back in church? Uh, but I think it's important because as as a parent, and we pray for Henry's faith every, every single night, uh, we ask the Lord to give Henry faith. As a parent, you love your child. That's a normal thing. And if you believe in the errancy of God's word, then hell is a real place. It is. Mm-hmm. And as a parent, you don't want your kid to go to hell. Yeah. So I often ask parents, you know, what what's really behind this sense of urgency that you're feeling? And we'll start to dig in a little bit. And oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes it is the fear of the child going going to hell. Now, let me say that that is a an okay motivator. <laughs> There's right. nothing wrong with that. Right. But the challenge with that being the primary motivating factor for why you want your child to have a relationship with Jesus Christ is going to lead your conversations with them to be really emotionally charged. Fear is an, is an interesting thing in what it will cause us to do and say. So what can often happen is if you are motivated primarily by the fear of your child going to hell, then you will often be overbearing Mm. because you're trying to, knowing that you can't, you're trying to save them from hell. And again, that's a great, it's a great motivator. Scripture talks about hell. Hell's a real place. 
we don't we won't want our children to end up there. But the conversations look and sound very different, and then typically the responses from the children look and sound very different. So encouraging parents to step back a little bit and examine their motives, I think, is a beneficial thing because at the end of the day, if you are a person of faith, you know that the reward of heaven versus the penalty of hell is a is a we'll say a benefit to mm-hmm. our faith, but it is far reaching, far beyond that. It's that relationship with Christ. It's all the things um, that we know to be true as faithful followers of Jesus Christ. And so encouraging parents to focus on that as one of the big motivators will often lessen that sense of desperation, I'll use that word, Mm -hmm. which will often allow the seed that they've planted over years. And I'm primarily talking about kids in their teens and 20s, I mean, 30s, whatever it is, you know, beyond teens. You know, with a five-year-old, Henry Henry comes to church because he's coming to church. That's what we're doing. And if he doesn't want to come to church, that's not up to to Henry uh, at this point. Every kid is different, so you need to be careful, but I'm speaking in generalities here. Yeah. Typically, it's you know it starts at the teen years. Well, I don't want to go to church. Do you force the kid to go to church? What does that What does that look like? Mm-hmm. And so, I'll ask parents what that motive is, and then try to help them get a more well rounded motive, which will hopefully hopefully help them to be a little bit more well rounded in the in their asking and in their desires um, being fulfilled. <laughs> in that conversation because they desire conversation with their kid about these things and a lot of kids will just shut the conversation down and so help their desires be realized a little bit in relationship to opening up a conversation so what does that look like practically for for a lot of parents my advice winds up being back off Mm. a little bit just dial it dial it back a little bit the instruction for Romans 10 and what paul tells us is that people need to know and, but they don't know because nobody's told them. Right. Odds are, if you are concerned about your kid's eternity, your child's eternity, your children's eternity, you've probably told them at, at this point. And so at what point does it start to become the law of diminishing returns? Law of diminishing returns, and, and I'm no economist, but it, it's an economic principle where there is a kind of a, an optimal, optimal uh, investment. And... If, and I think about this in relationship to working out more than I, finances. Yeah. Finances aren't my thing, but I enjoy working out. There are certain muscle groups that if you overtrain them, and you may think you should do a bunch of bicep curls, the more the better, but it's the law of diminishing returns. There's there's optimal output, and beyond that, it winds up diminishing the, the return. It winds up being uh, counterproductive. And so you can get to a point as a parent where you're so aggressive in your evangelism to your child that you've you've gone beyond the optimal output. Yeah. And that's, again, a proprietary thing. You have to feel that out. But one of the best ways you can feel that out is what's my motive? Am I just desperate for them not to go to hell? Or do I really want them to experience the love of Jesus Christ? Yeah. Do I want them to feel his you know, that peace that he promises and, and, and I want them to have the, the joy and all the fruit of the spirit that we know is the byproduct of, of that indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And so I often will ask parents, you know, do you think it might be beneficial to dial back a little bit? They know the gospel message at this point. And the, one of the best ways that you're going to continue to 
evangelize them is by being salt and light, those things we've been talking about for the last the last several weeks. But it's a difficult, a difficult yeah. thing. Outside of you know, they they go on to say your loved ones. You know, you've got parents, you've got friends, people that you know and love. I think those same rules apply. Yeah. I think there there does come a point where it's so aggressive that it winds up being counterproductive. The scriptures talk about seeds. Right? You spread the seed, mm-hmm. somebody waters it, God makes it grow. And I think there's different ways to water. I think you can not water enough. You can picture like a little eye eyedropper. If you've got a seed that you plant and you just one drop of water every day, every week, it's that seed's not gonna grow. But I think you can also think of a fire hose. You put that seed in the soil and you come with a fire hose and you go to water it, and it's gonna blow the seed right out of the soil. Mm-hmm. And so it really requires some balance and I think it requires trust. Yeah. I trust that the Lord is going to be faithful to his, his promises yeah. and That's good. that we can maybe realize some of that peace in our own, our own life. But it's a tough thing because we do love their loved ones for a reason yeah. because we love them. Yeah. That's good. What do you think? No, I agree. I think that's good. And I think a lot of it comes with trusting the Lord. Um, you know, we can trust that, you know, the judge of all the earth will do right and do justly. He hasn't missed one yet. Yeah. And so, um, that can be hard when you dive into like the theological depths. Um, well, this person quotes Romans nine, yeah. 14 through 16 yeah. or 26 rather. So, so they're kind of no Romans nine. Yeah. Go <laughs> take a look, go have fun. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we're going to get a lot more questions. <laughs> so it's, so, um, so what it comes down to is like, do you really trust the Lord? Um, you know, trust that he's going to do rightly and that he's called you. He has, he has given this child to you to steward that relationship. Do you yeah. think that was an accident? Right. Um, so in all the ways that you're seeking to do this the right way, um, you know, do that and then trust the results to the Lord. One of the things that I love about the video that, um, that Bob did a couple weeks back mm. tell yeah. his story that he told of him and Andrew um, near the end, um, uh, I included a longer ending to the version we posted to Facebook that includes a section where Bob kind of discusses the reality that, you know, when you go to tell, don't be discouraged because you never know who you're going to meet in heaven, who you had planted a seed maybe, or right. maybe there was already a seed planted and you had watered it one time and you didn't get to see the results but there were results and God created growth uh, from that seed, from that gospel seed that was planted. And so I think the same principle applies for your children, even though there is probably a healthy urgency, you know, you even said like, you know, that's not a bad motivation, but an even better motivation is wanting them to, to know Jesus. Um, you know, and so all of those are good things. Those were, those are there because you love the Lord and you love your children and want to see them come into a relationship with Jesus too. So I think it's important um, to encourage people not to be prophets in the sense of foretelling, like, yeah. you know, we've already decided that because my child is 22 years old and they want nothing to do with the church, that that's, that's that yeah. it's the end. Yeah, that's good. Don't, don't, don't be prophetic in that way. Yeah. That's that's not up to us. No one has ever thwarted the plans of God. Right. No no one's ever messed him up. Right. He's never gotten a text and been like, well, they did what? Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, I had no idea. I had plans for them. <laughs> well, now I got to regroup. He's never had to regroup, yeah. and that's that's hard for people to accept. Yeah, I don't. I we've talked about this, you and I, you know, personally about this. It, you know, there are some things in Scripture that are difficult. Uh, they're not they're not difficult to understand, but they're just difficult to accept. Maybe yeah. Romans nine being one of those things. Yeah, and we need to keep that in mind when it comes to our our kids. Yeah, um, because they we feel a sense of God given responsibility to to raise them. They're fragile. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I saw Judah, Jared's son, yesterday, and the my mission has been to get him to smile. Yes, because for some reason we've it's been got, a tough mission for you. We've got beef. I don't know where <laughs> I don't know where the problem lies, uh, but uh, I think maybe he liked Texas. He didn't want to come here. He's like, now nah, you guys got me with all this weather. I think he loves it's it. No, he might. You would know better than I would. <laughs> what I know is that it's hard to get a smile out of him yeah. for, for me. For you. For me. Yeah. Which makes it even funnier. Well, what makes it well? It's a me. It's problem. a me. Funny to me. Oh yeah, yeah. So, but just looking at him yesterday. You guys were in the airlock, and he had a moment where he would, you're like, oh, man, he might, you know, smile. And so you guys turned around and came in, and I got something. I don't know if I would qualify it as a smile. It was a smirk, maybe. It was a smirk. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if it was sarcastic. Yeah. What it told me is that he's got plans for me <laughs> that I don't want to know. <laughs> so all that to say, like, he can't. He can't really do anything right yeah. now. I can, can he walk yet? Is he? He's really close. He's he's super he's close super to walking. Close, yeah. But like he he depends solely on you and Sarah. Yes. For ev everything. Yep. Uh, and so, like, we feel this sense of responsibility as parents because that's where kids start. Mm -hmm. They can't do. They can do nothing. You yeah. were talking on the front end about you know, a, a newborn and, and, you know, the challenges that come with that and it's just survival. It, yeah. it really is. They can do nothing. Yeah. They can't feed themselves. They can't, they can do nothing. And, and so that desperation that you feel as a parent for your child that has either walked away from, um, being interested in anything to do with the Lord, that same, that desperation comes from, seeing them in that state, mm -hmm. but then recognizing that it is the Lord who's in charge and his plans are, are always good. His version of good. Yeah. Not necessarily our version of good. And that he will, he will be faithful to his plan and his will. And we need to trust in that. Yeah. But that's a, that's a thing that's difficult to realize, but the spirit can do that. That's that fruit, peace, love, joy, peace. Mm -hmm. It's a byproduct of the spirit in our lives, um, yeah. but this is a this is a great question, and really good. I think one for the ages. I don't think this one will will go away. Yeah, for sure. Certainly, it's a it's a tough one. Yeah, well, I think that's sure. it for questions. I think that's today. it. I think that's it. Were we long winded? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. You know, no one is enslaved to the podcast. That's true. You, know? you can always. And if you're turn still it with off. us. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Is this, is this our camera? Is this the <laughs> camera we look in? We can look at that one. Yeah. I'm going to look at this. You can look at this one. Right. Hello. Uh, uh, Anything else? That, I don't think so. No? I mean, we already did meet and greet. You we kind did. of hijacked that. Although I didn't get to ask. <laughs> I didn't get to ask. Yeah, that was my segment, not yours. And you hijacked it. What the heck, dude? Oh, I don't know. You're I so proactive. I, I will control all of this. <laughs> okay, Neil. <laughs> I thought I was helping. Oh, uh, no, it was great. It was great. I didn't get to ask you. Yes. Okay, what was your first 
uh, well, you asked me CD, uh, phonograph record. What were they playing back in the 20s when you were born? So it was mainly harps. Um. <laughs> Yeah. Harp. So, so yeah. So you were, were you, uh, eight, was it a track for you or was it, <laughs> was it, uh, was it, uh, old timey, like one of those things you crank? Yeah. No, it no. was, it was cassette tapes. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So I was, I was just after eight track. Yeah. So it was cassette tapes. Um, the first cassette tape I ever purchased and I didn't, I purchased it with my money, mm-hmm. but, I couldn't buy it because there was an explicit lyric warning on it. You needed to hear the sermon from yesterday. More than anybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was that was something something for me. What was it? Say it. Appetite for destruction. Yeah, okay. Guns and roses. Yep. And uh I think I think my sister was the one who bought it for me because she yeah. was she was of age. Yep. But I got it and I remember I wanted to listen to it so bad, but it, there was this inner struggle yeah. where I was like, I knew it was bad. Yeah. Um, and I knew that there were swear words in it. And I knew that if my, I think I was, my parents split in 87 when I was eight years old. And so I think I was transitioning to living from with my mom to my dad. And I thought if my dad finds this in the move, like it's going to be the end of me. Because he, he was very much, and he did a, both my parents, you know, did their best to try to encourage me to live a pure life and a clean mm-hmm. life, but sin finds a way. And yeah. the more they told me things were bad, the more I wanted them. He's like, you know, that's rock and roll music, don't you? And I was like, oh, but I want it so bad. <laughs> like I needed that rock and roll. Yeah. And it became enticing yeah. to me, uh, which oddly enough does somewhat influence some of my parenting and what I allow Henry to be exposed to, to a certain level. Yeah. Um, all, you know, obviously scripture being the, the primary guide for all of it, Yeah. but how I was raised certainly guides how I was raised. So yeah, ap- appetite for destruction, guns and roses with my first, first tape. Wow. And I had a Walkman. Oh yeah. Put it in a Walkman. Yeah. With uh, the for you, man. big old, you know, foam. Yeah. Bad things. Not like these. Yeah. These, these are something else. That's awesome. These are great. Man. I just imagine watching you like kind of skip down the uh, sidewalk with your headphones on and like you're listening to something, but what's actually playing on the outside, like the narration music Ooh. is power of love. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Something like that. Just, it it was, that's one of the reasons that your eighties energy. It, it was a lot of eight. I, which is like, I was born in 79. So in the eighties, I was, you, you were know, young. I was yeah. young. It was too You probably young. came of age early nineties, early nineties, right? but my, my taste was still eighties. Yeah. So it was a lot of Guns N' Roses and Van Halen and a lot of eighties, a lot of eighties music. Yeah, and some of that was because my sisters were five years, four or five years older than I was, yeah. and so they were kind of coming of age in the eighties. Yeah. You were listening to their music and stuff. Debbie too, Gibson right? and Madonna yeah. and all that and all that stuff. So for me, like my first car was an <laughs> was an eighty four Trans Am. Oh, yeah. with an Eagle on the hood and T tops. So this would have been like 1995. Fantastic. So I had an 84 Trans Am with a 5-liter V8, mm-hmm. T-tops, and a pile of Def Leppard and Guns N' Roses. I was like a <laughs> decade a decade behind. Yeah. And you know uh, the type of guitar player I am. Yeah. Decades behind. Yeah. Just decades behind. Just pure hair metal. It's <laughs> Yeah, it's a lot of that shreddy <laughs> stuff. So, yeah, I don't know. But 
That's cool. I liked it, and that's great. But now I've I had to rethink my entire yeah. Now you're entire... now you are reassessing. <laughs> yeah, the that's grays, cool. the grays, cool. Well, Boy, we've got a couple weeks left, don't we? We do. Yeah, this uh, this coming week will be dating, yeah. and then kind of the big one: TV mm-hmm. and movies. Yeah, which I was in your office. Yeah, you're talking crying about, about it today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, uh, poor Jared. He, you know, plans for the worship service, and he, yeah. he's like, "Do we get to do four songs this week?" I don't know, man. Because <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I don't know if this is really long. It's a very long. That's okay. Very long thing. Well, it's nice talking to you. We've we've yeah we've tried not to talk much. Yeah, that way we have something to talk about. Yeah, I know. We uh, throughout the week, right? We'll start a conversation that feels really interesting, and I'm just like, "Wait, stop! This would be great for the podcast." You're so good at, at, at <laughs> recognizing when we need to be. But quiet. that's the problem. That literally happened right before we started recording. Did we actually start talking about that in the podcast? No, we didn't. We did. So we're gonna have to do that next time. Well, it, I don't know. It it's, didn't feel didn't feel natural. I think you were waiting for it. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Thank you so much. Yeah, for being here. Thanks well, for thank listening. Thank you for the time you put into this. And yeah, thanks. Thanks to our listeners. Listeners. This yeah. has been really cool. We're looking forward to next time. If you have a question, you can send that to podcast at hopechristianchurch.com or you can text to 440 hope 222. Yeah, 222. Should we write a jingle for that? Probably. Probably Maybe next week. Maybe. All right. We'll see, All right. <laughs> we'll see you guys. See you. Thank you. Bye.